welcome to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pony. Good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 68 of This Week in Sports. As always, I'm your host, The Pody. We had the week off last week. I decided to take the weekend off, did not do an episode, just was dealing with a lot of stuff going on, nothing nothing crazy or anything, but uh, just had a lot going on between work and different things like that. So um, I did decided not to give you guys a half-assed show. We're back this week. It is, like I said, episode 68. Before we begin, I do want to say, uh, once again, I want to give a shout out to my brother. Um, you guys can follow him. Check him out on Instagram at my first name is Joe, otherwise known as Joey Bag of Donuts. He turned, I believe, 36 it was yesterday. Yes, I believe so. So happy birthday to you, Joe. Okay, also, I do want to say, um, for those of you celebrating Rosh Hashanah on Monday, I believe it begins, thank you very much because of you. Uh, I have off of work on Monday, so thank you to uh, all of my Jewish friends out there. With that being said, I do want to start this show and get right into it. I, I want to try, it's very difficult once the NFL season begins to to really dive deep into everything that I want to get into. What I, Football consumes so much of the show at this point and so much of the news and the headlines. And so it's very difficult to, to even get to college football or Major League Baseball that's, you know, as the season's coming to an end and the playoffs start on Wednesday. So it's very difficult for me to, to keep that balance. And I'm going to try to do that as best as possible. Obviously, the NFL is going to dominate the show week in and week out. But I do want to sprinkle in and talk about baseball because, like I said, we're coming to the end of the season. Um, we've got a lot going on. You might not even know which teams have clinched a playoff spot because all those positions have been filled as of last night. Okay, um, we're, we're looking to find out who is going to win the best record in baseball. Um, right now, the Astros hold on to that. And then there's a fight for second between the Dodgers and the Yankees. And the way the Yankees are playing right now, who knows? You never know what's going to happen. And then, of course, there's some stuff going on in college football every weekend. There's games being played today. Okay, and then there were some media days in the NBA. I decided not to even cover it. You probably saw the headlines between with the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving spoke. Um, Kyrie Irving actually, I guess they were practicing, and he got hit in the face. Kenny Atkinson was supposed to come out for his media day, but only Sean Mark showed up because apparently Kenny Atkinson had to drive Kyrie to the hospital. I don't really know what that was about, but you saw Kyrie came back. He talked um, at media day. If that's even what what it's called, I don't even know. Um, he spoke about Kevin Durant and you know why they decided to come to Brooklyn and yada yada yada. So nothing real important. Then there's just some, just a couple other things I want to talk about. So basically, this this episode today is going to be football related, both NFL and college, and then uh, some baseball with a couple of extra stuff sprinkled in here and there. So with that being said, um, let's start this thing off and let's talk NFL. Uh, let's talk week three and we start with the Chiefs and the Ravens. And I, I've got to apologize because I can I can hear a little bit of it, even though I have my noise canceling um, 
Beats headphones on right now. There is some construction going on at my neighbor's house. It seems like it's been going on for months. Okay. Uh, they stopped the construction. I thought it was all finished. Now I don't know what the hell they're doing over there. So I do apologize if that is bleeding into this episode. I'm really going to try to fix that and make sure that that is not in the episode, in the audio, when you go back to listen to this, because I try to produce a clean and crisp um, podcast. I try to get the best audio possible with my setup. So I just wanted to preface that before we start. So, okay, the Chiefs and the Ravens, this was a matchup of two premier young uh, quarterbacks in this league. You have, of course, Patrick Mahomes going up against Lamar Jackson. Both of these teams look like possible Super Bowl contenders. And of course, it did not disappoint. It started off slow a little bit early on, but um, it started to ramp up finally. Patrick Mahomes is just unbelievable. Lamar Jackson, you could still see the growing pains a little bit. First two weeks of the season, they played some easier opponents, right? And um, so now when he's being forced to actually sit in the pocket and make some of those throws, he didn't necessarily make all of the throws. He still has, in my opinion, a hitch in his throwing motion. He kind of drops, slots his arm angle down a little bit before throwing the ball. And that's okay because he's known as more of a runner. He ha- he isn't supposed to be able to throw the ball as well as he's been throwing the ball. Okay, that's what every all the critics, all the scouts were saying when he came out of Louisville, that he should convert himself to a wide receiver or running back, something like that, right? Like a Braxton Miller type. Well, no, he decided I'm not going to do that. I'm going to play quarterback. And he went 32nd overall to the Baltimore Ravens and the rest is history, right? Well, he missed a couple throws here and there early, but the the Chiefs were just a little bit too much. Um, The Ravens, they got back into it a little late, but it wasn't as close um, of what the final score said. And that final was 33 to 28. So that was the one game that I wanted to bet the over on that I was saying. And I believe the over was like 52. So if you bet the over, you would have hit on that game. The Chiefs were minus five and a half. And I will admit, I have not been winning. The last couple of weeks have been rough. Um, I've been getting some tough breaks. Okay. I had a tough break in this one. Obviously the Chiefs uh, one by five when the spread was five and a half. Um, so oh, like a week prior to that, I had the bears at two and a half and we know what happened in Denver. They only won by two. Thanks to Vic Fangio going for that two point conversion at the end of the game. That was a bit tough, but anyway, back to this game. So Mahomes he finished 27 of 37, 374 yards and three touchdowns. Another game with three passing touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes. Just unbelievable. On the flip side of that, Lamar Jackson, 22 of thir- uh, 43, 266 yards and he also ran eight times for 46 yards and a touchdown I believe Mark Ingram had a couple of scores in that game as well um, but yeah like I said did not disappoint we could be seeing these two teams again later down down the stretch in the playoffs so keep that in mind uh, next up I want to talk about the Giants and the Bucks because the big the big news coming into week three was the fact that Um, Daniel Jones had been named the starter for the New York Giants. They decided to bench Eli Manning and go with um, Daniel Jones. So how did this game start off? Well, it did not look good for the New York Giants. Okay, Janoris Jenkins was getting absolutely gashed by Mike Evans. I mean, he was just putting up catch after catch after catch. 
and it was it was rough. I'm not going to lie. It was very rough for um, Janoris Jenkins. For the, the Giants' defense overall is just absolutely brutal, and, and it's rough because um, that's why they haven't been able to win games. And um, yeah, Mike Evans to the tune of 15 targets, eight catches for 190 yards. Just absolutely gashed the New York Giants. But um, the big the big one in this one was the fact that Saquon Barkley exited this game very early on, I think the second quarter, with a very scary-looking lower leg injury. He would come out later on crutches and wearing a walking boot, and we later found out it is a very serious high ankle sprain that is going to keep him out for the next four between four and eight weeks, and they're thinking it's going to be closer to that eight-week mark. And for Saquon, this is new because he even said he's never really been injured ever in his career. But um, nobody really even talked about that injury so much because even though the Giants were down by as much as 18 points in this game, it was the rookie, Daniel Jones, sixth overall pick out of Duke, rallying the New York football Giants he totaled four touchdowns, led a second-half rally, and secured an unbelievable comeback victory 32-31 to over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It came down to a um, missed field goal by Bucks kicker Matt Gay, a 34-yard game-winning field goal as time expired. I'll get into that more in a second. But Daniel Jones, uh, back to him real quick. He got the ball back on his own 25 with just over three minutes left, and he drove the length of the field to cap it off on a fourth and five from the seven. The Bucks playing man coverage, very dangerous. The C parted over the middle, and Daniel Jones ran it. At a speed of over 19, I think, 0.6 miles per hour, seven yards on fourth and five for the go-ahead touchdown score. Unbelievable. Couldn't have written this script any better. But then the Bucks do get the ball back with roughly 30 to 40 seconds left. And what do you know? Jameis Winston connects with none other than Mike Evans, over top on a deep go route and it sets up now a 30 it was going to be a roughly 20 what 25 26 yard field goal but the problem with that was that Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston took a five yard delay of game penalty which moved Tampa Bay back five yards an additional five yards to make it a 34 yard field goal and then Matt Gay proceeded to push it wide right. And this is very interesting because I want to um I want to play a clip of the media talking to head coach Bruce Arians after the game and what went through their mind why they took this 5-yard delay of game penalty. So let me cue that up and play that for you guys right now cuz this this is um very very interesting. What happened at the end there when you got the 5-yard penalty? Delay. What happened there? I just took it on purpose. You took it on purpose? Yeah, I want the field. He's better back. That field goes easier back five yards. This is a very strange answer. It circulated the the media all week, uh, really all Monday morning, because it makes no sense why on earth that you would take 
a five-yard penalty at the end of the game. First of all, that makes no sense. No kicker wants to kick further back. I, I, that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And if that kick was five yards uh, forward where it should have been before the penalty, more than likely he makes it. And we're not talking about the Giants winning this game. We're talking about the Giants losing. Okay. Um, so a lot of speculation. And the only thing that I can think of why Bruce Arians would say this is that he was covering for Jameis Winston, who royally effed this one up. That's the only thing that I could possibly come to terms with that actually makes any type of sense because Bruce Arians is is a very good head coach in this league, okay? He has been around a long time. We know what he did with the Colts in an interim role when Chuck Pagano was um, fighting cancer. We know what he did with the Arizona Cardinals. We know what he's done with Big Ben with the Steelers as a quarterback guru, Uh, okay? We know his resume in this league. No way in hell does a seasoned veteran coach make a comment like that because it doesn't make sense, okay? Someone made the analogy that that's like saying um, a, a power a home run, a home run hitter. Uh, you have a home run hitter, say Aaron Judge, right? So you move the fence back because he likes to hit the ball further. It just does not make sense. So that's the only thing that could justify that sort of comment is that Jameis Winston screwed up, took a delay of game when he wasn't supposed to, moved them five yards back, and he was just covering for his quarterback. I, I want to back up to that fourth and five run that saved the game for the Giants and gave them the win. I've got that clip right here so I'll cue that up and let you guys listen to what Daniel Jones did for the game-winning touchdown score on fourth and five Jones steps up takes off he's in touchdown that's the danger of a running quarterback if you're going to play man-to-man defense in every single defender has his back to the quarterback, nobody's going to be right here. Watch all these defenders turn their back to Daniel Jones. They're all looking at their assignment. The rush integrity is voided. Easy touchdown. Second rushing touchdown for Daniel Jones, and they are in position to win. So there you have it. Just an unbelievable um, situation, an unbelievable win for the Giants and for Daniel Jones in his first game. It, it's awesome because um, Daniel Jones was picked as NFC Offensive Player of the Week. He totaled uh, 336 yards passing, two touchdown passes, and ran for two more scores. Um, he th- was 23 of 36 passing. And the best part about this is, like I, I said earlier, he overcame an 18 plus point deficit Eli Manning in his career 0 and 44 when trailing by 18 plus so that is just unbelievable um next up and this was really the week of the backup quarterback so next up we'll talk about another backup quarterback and another game that I picked completely wrong so Cam Newton out with a Liz Frank injury he is probably going to miss multiple weeks and they aren't going to rush him back now um with the way that Kyle Allen played which I will get to right now so Kyle Allen out of Texas A&M I think he's only played briefly in two other games in his career 
And so he gets to start in this one against the Arizona Cardinals, who granted are not a great team, but with Kyler Murray um, and Cliff Kingsbury, they have been able to start to ramp up this offense a little bit and they've started to get things going. So I thought for sure, guy making his first start against the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals might pull this one out. They were minus two and a half. I figure they win by a field goal at least, right? Well, wrong. The Cardinals got smacked 38 to 20. Kyle Allen lit up the lit up the scoreboard, throws for 261 yards, four touchdowns, and played stupendously. Just unbelievable. So that was another game that I picked wrong. So hey, kudos to Kyle Allen. He's gonna get the start again this week as well as the um excuse me, as the Carolina Panthers will head on the road and and face the Houston Texans. That's going to be a tall, tall order for uh, Kyle Allen to, uh, to get the job done there. Okay, now let's talk about the lackluster Browns who lose yet again. Their only win came Monday night football against my New York Jets facing a third string quarterback. Not exactly saying much, right? Well, they lost... Yet again, this time to the Rams on Sunday night football. It was a pair of Cooper Cup touchdowns that helped the Rams um, eke this one out 20-13. to 13. So the Browns found themselves with a chance to tie this game at the end, right? Right at the end, okay? With like a minute left or so, whatever it was. First and goal from the four, they passed four straight times and failed to get in the end zone and lost the game. Not once did they try to throw to Odell Beckham, not once. Okay, not once did they try to run the ball. Very suspect play calling. Earlier in the game, they were on about the 40, and they decided on fourth and nine to call a draw play, which wasn't even close. Um, Very suspect play calling from Freddie Kitchens, obviously their head coach, who was also their uh, offensive play caller. And so um, he was very highly criticized for his play calling, and he did admit um, to doing a bad job and that he takes the onus for that. So uh, with the Browns falling to one and two, I'm happy because I've been advocating for this. I've been telling you week in and week out in the offseason as well that the Browns are not good and you should not be picking them to win a Super Bowl. The hype is too, is way too is way too much, okay? This is the Cleveland Browns we're talking about, right? It's like once the Cleveland Browns, always the Cleveland Browns. You have too many A-type personalities. They start to lose and things aren't going their way and those personalities start to come out and it's like, me, 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 why aren't you getting me the ball? I want the ball. Throw me the ball. Okay. We haven't seen Odell blow up just yet, but I'm waiting for it. I am very, very eagerly awaiting for this blow up to occur. Okay. So with that being said, um, we had Rex Ryan on get up on Monday morning, make some very harsh comments towards the one and only Baker Mayfield. So take a listen to what Rex had to say. I don't get it. I'd love to be an offensive coordinator here. If I, I have Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb, and, and this Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I know he's overrated as hell. But Whoa! I'm like this. Here's the, the other thing. Uh, what what in this team, though, is you have no tackles. Yeah. And so are we going to make an adjustment or are you just going to let them get beat one-on-one all day long? Can I briefly go back to overrated as hell, if I may here? You yeah. Yeah. Baker Mayfield is overrated. Absolutely. Look, I bought into the dang hype. Right. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah. But, you know, not to the point where everybody's saying he's going to be the league MVP. What are, what? You, what are you seeing that he's not doing right now? 
What's he doing wrong? You know, what's he doing right, Greeny? Because I'm going to look at this. Here's a guy right now that is a one-read guy, and then he's going to improvise. He's got to realize you are one of the slowest guys on that field when you take off with it, okay? The other thing, the ball's not coming out in in rhythm. You're staring down guys, and you're not that accurate down the field. Will you tell him Aaron O'Donnell is on the other side of the line? No, the ball. why isn't the ball coming out quick? When they had to hold the ball, I, I never saw it. I actually have to 100% completely agree with Rex Ryan here. He's not wrong. They showed a stat that when the ball is coming out quick from Baker, he's very accurate. But most of the time through these first three weeks of the season, the ball's not coming out quickly. He's panicking and he's he's making one read and then he's running outside the pocket. And that's what Rex is talking about when he runs outside of that pocket. He's not as fast as his college days. These are big, fast, speedy, um, agile defenders. I mean, we're talking Aaron Donald, yes, the best in the game, but it's not just Aaron Donald that they've been playing, okay? Um, And this is a trend now that we're seeing in a a couple weeks in a row. And um, he runs outside the pocket, and then once he's outside the pocket, he's not able to make it happen because he's getting chased down. So this is a matter of, offensive play calling as well so I don't know the Browns are in shambles right now and they've really got to pick things up they have the Ravens this week and it could get ugly I mean they're in Baltimore historically they're not gonna I mean history says they're not winning this game Baltimore favored by seven um I think that it's not really going to be that close of a game. It's a division game, so this is a tough one to bet on at seven. If the line starts to slide a little bit, maybe towards uh, five or six, then that's when you might want to jump on the Baltimore Ravens. But again, this is going to be a tough task for them. And uh, hey, uh, what's his, uh, excuse me, uh, Baker Mayfield did in fact respond to Rex Ryan, and he said, oh, in, in the wise words of Freddie Kitchens, if you're not wearing, you know, orange and, and, and black or whatever their colors are, then your your voice doesn't matter or whatever. And then he says, and, and from what I see, Rex isn't wearing any colors, so it, his opinion doesn't matter at all, or I want whatever he said. Basically saying that Rex uh, got fired and doesn't have a job, essentially, isn't a coach right now for a reason. Just stupidity. How about you own the fact that you haven't played well and that you suck right now and, and that you're trying to work on getting better? But I'm loving it because they they are uh, making me my dreams come true and they are doing everything that I said they were going to do, which is totally impl- implode. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Monday night football between the Bears and the Redskins. I was in a tightly contested matchup in my fantasy league. I was only up six points going into the Monday night football game. I had the Bears defense and my opponent had Allen Robinson. And what do you know, the Bears defense, which I drafted practically before I drafted anyone on my bench, I drafted them so early because I was so high up on this defense and they were pedestrian in the first two weeks, granted Iron Rodgers in the first game of the season on a Thursday night. And then of course they had the Denver Broncos a week ago or two weeks ago, and they put up a pedestrian like five points. Well, yeah. This was a little bit different on Monday Night Football against the Redskins. They absolutely were on fire. They got me, I think, 22 fantasy points. I won the matchup. I improved to 3-0 in my fantasy league, baby. Let's go. And um, 
They forced a career-high five turnovers from Case Keenum, including a pick six by HaHa Clinton-Dix. He later had added a second interception. Um, two fumble lo- fumbles lost by Case Keenum. It was just uh, horrible. And the Bears actually looked like the 12-4 and Bears from a season ago. Um, we had Taylor Gabriel with three first-half touchdowns. Um, Mitchell Trubisky threw for like 170 yards in the first half. And despite all of that, though, the the um, Washington Redskins were still in this game. Out of nowhere, they came back, they started scoring, and, and the score was, I believe it was like um, they were down by 13 late in the fourth quarter with just over seven minutes left when um, they had a fourth and short inside the 20. So basically, if the Redskins are able to get this first down and then go on to score, they're only down one possession with, say, six minutes left to go or something to that effect. Well, this is this is what happened on that fourth and short play. And Keenum tried to go up and over, and the ball came out. It was Trevathan who met him in midair and knocked it out on fourth down. As Eddie Jackson went and retrieved it. Keenum is thinking this is down by the goal line. If you're at the goal line and you reach it over, as soon as the ball crosses the goal line, it's a touchdown. It's not that way in the field of play for a first down. So he has to hold on to that football. Fumble recovery by Jackson. Heck of a play by Danny Trevathan for the forced fumble. So, yeah, that's not what you're supposed to do. So basically you heard it there from Booger. He, when it's at the goal line, quarterbacks will reach up and dive over and knock, you know, just cross the, the, the plane. And even if they knock it down, it's still a touchdown, but not on a, on a, in the field of play on a fourth and one or fourth and short. Can you do that? Because as you saw, he went up, he's exposed, the ball gets hit out and then it's recovered by the bears. Then that was just, that was a devastating lost fumble. That was a devastating play. And that sealed the game for the bears. And that really just killed any momentum that the Redskins had of coming back and winning this game. Jay Gruden did go on to say that he is going to stick with Case Keenum and he is not going to make any type of switch yet to uh, rookie Dwayne Haskins. Um, So let's move on. I want to talk about the, uh, there was a trade made earlier in the week. Uh, You might not have heard about it. It was nothing crazy, but the Steelers, they traded for another tight end. That would be Seahawks backup Nick Vanette. They are giving up a fifth round pick in the upcoming 2020 draft. This does come in the wake of Vance McDonald leaving Sunday's game against the 49ers with a shoulder injury, which um, he was then later seen in a sling, I think on Tuesday. So they're calling it a, excuse me, a shoulder sprain, but he isn't expected to miss any significant time. Um, Vanette, if you don't know, he's a fourth year veteran. He had 29 receptions for 269 yards and three touchdowns a season ago in Seattle. Okay, moving right along, Jalen Ramsey is the topic of our next uh, discussion. Wow, what a uh, two week stretch he has had, right? He has been dominating headlines. In basically, I'll just recap this. In 11 days, Ramsey argued with his head coach, requested a trade, 
played versus the Titans, which was a very, a very good win for them on Thursday night football. And then he came down with the flu, which everyone started to question, right? So the Jaguars then announced um, earlier in the week, I think Wednesday, that he would not be practicing due to a back injury. So I think earlier in the week, he had the flu injury, the flu, and then he comes back and now it's a back injury. Okay. So he hasn't practiced all week. Then Wednesday night, he had to leave the team to head to Nashville to be with his girlfriend for the birth of his second child. Apparently he had let Doug Marone know in the off season that they would be expecting a child at the end of September. It was um, basically a long shot for him to play this week, but he did make it back. He jumped on the flight and he headed to Denver with his teammates. Um, he's probably going to have to test out his back or before the game to see if he's able to play. We don't know what this means for the future of Jalen Ramsey. I believe he still wants a trade out of Jacksonville, but hey, if they win this game and they get back to 500, who knows what the prospects are will call for you know who knows how his mind will change it seems these NFL players you know they're um they're weekly uh, you know every week they're they're mi- they can't make their mind up so everything changes week to week well the big news this week now as we move right along um would be Melvin Gordon finally ends his holdout and he joins rejoins the Chargers oh my god yeah Tell me if you saw this one coming, right? So Melvin Gordon has been obviously, uh, he's on the last year of his rookie contract, I think slated to make like $4.9 million this court this year, and he was holding out in hopes of a new contract. He wants to get paid like one of the top running backs in the league. So he um, was originally ruled out for tomorrow's game after he uh, reported back to the team. But due to Justin Jackson, um, who is out with, um, I want to say like a hamstring injury or something, he will not play. So they're down to just Austin Eckler. Well, head coach Anthony Lynn said they are seriously considering using Melvin Gordon in a limited role in Miami. So, hey, fantasy fans that drafted Melvin Gordon, you might finally see him on the field this weekend. So, Thursday night football would be the next, The uh, that would be from two nights ago. Excuse me, I'm trying to read a text message at the same time that just popped up. So anyway, let's go, let's, let's head to uh, Green Bay, land of the cheese heads. Finally, after three weeks, we saw our first good Thursday night football game of the season. I have basically been done with Thursday night games. I refuse to bet on them. I refuse to play anyone from fantasy on a Thursday night unless I literally have no choice, as was the case two weeks ago with Leonard Fournette. The Packers at minus four here. You would Gun to my head, yes, you would take the Packers at minus four the way the Eagles have been playing, banged up. Alshon Jeffrey was sort of a questionable game time decision. He did play, but... Um, yeah, gun to my head, yes, you're taking the Packers at home, right? Well, the Packers had a 10-0 lead, and surprisingly, they couldn't hold on. So it was um, an Eagles goal line interception by Nigel Bradham with less than a minute remaining that sealed the 34-27 victory for the stupid Philadelphia Eagles. Take a listen. On second down, in the air, and picked off by Bradham. Philadelphia will take over 
as Malcolm Jenkins and Craig James just into the ball game combined to knock it up into the air. And Bradham gets the interception to, in essence, end this night and send Philadelphia to a 2-2 two and two record. Yeah, so um, that's how it went down. The Packers tried a stupid pick-play slant. Rodgers threw it into what was like double coverage, essentially. It got tipped up into the air and Bradham with the interception. So uh, surprisingly, the Packers lose this one at home. Carson Wentz, um, not bad. It, uh, they moved to 2-2. Two and two. He threw for three touchdowns. The big winner in this one was Jordan Howard. My God, who saw this coming? If you started him in fantasy, you lucked out unbelievably. He had two rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. Uh, Devontae Adams, for for fantasy owners, finally uh, lived up to the hype and had his best game of the season. 10 receptions for 180 yards, but he did leave the game early with a toe injury and didn't return. And many do believe that if he was out on the field for that final drive, that they do win that game. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did do Aaron Rodgers things, throwing for 422 yards. And the craziest stat of the night in this one was that Aaron Rodgers had a 59-game unbeaten streak at home when taking a 10-point lead. That, of course, came to an end. It was the second-longest streak of its kind in the Super Bowl era. Of course, it was Tom Brady's 80-game streak, which was snapped by a 35-28 loss to the Eagles. Rodgers' streak, and yeah, obviously we know the score, but yeah, so basically the Eagles ended the two longest streaks of that kind. Just ridiculous. Um, so let's see, moving along now. Okay, I did want to uh, mention that they announced who would be headlining the Super Bowl halftime show in Miami this year. It is going to be Jennifer Lopez, J-Lo, and uh, Shakira, believe it or not. So that those two will headline the Super Bowl halftime show, which it makes sense because it's Miami. And of course, you know, those are two um, huge superstar Latin um, female artists talents for female artists so okay um i want to preview a couple of the games that i like this week but first i just want to give you some injury updates that you need to keep in mind for whether you're either um, betting on these games or for fantasy purposes. So we have Rashad Penny, who's dealing with a hamstring injury, but he has a very good chance, according to Pete Carroll, to return tomorrow. You have Chris Godwin for the Bucks. He's dealing with a hip injury. He is questionable. Um, T.Y. Hilton on my fantasy team, uh, he is dealing with a quad injury, and he is doubtful to play. Julian Edelman is dealing with a chest injury that he sustained against the Jets last week. He is questionable. And then Rex Burkhead is also questionable with a foot injury. Okay, so now I do want to just go over some of these games that I really like. So the first one would be the Patriots at minus seven in Buffalo. Uh, Tom Brady has a 30-3 and career record against the Buffalo Bills. This is a pair of 3-0 and teams, but let's be real. The, the Buffalo Bills are probably the worst 3-0 and team in football right now. And do they really stand a chance against Tom Brady and that New England Patriots team that could, in fact, go 16-0 and this year? Absolutely not. Um, next up... This one is a bit is a bit tricky. Um, I've been riding the Chiefs every week, and I don't see 
why this would be any different. They are in Detroit. The Lions are surprisingly 2-0-1. The Chiefs are minus 7. I would like to see this line come down just a tick, maybe half a point or so. But um, yeah, again, gun to my head, I'm taking the Chiefs at minus 7 all the way. And then surprisingly enough, you got the Giants at home at at minus three against the Redskins. Many believe this could be a trap game for Daniel Jones and uh, or Danny Dimes, as they're calling him now, against the Redskins. And the Redskins coming off that putrid Monday night game, they really can't play any worse. But guess what? They had one less day now to prepare for Daniel Jones. This is a 1 p.m. game. I really like the Giants. I like what Daniel Jones has been doing. Yes, Saquon Barkley is out. Yes, their defense can't stop a nosebleed, okay? Um, but I still like this Giants team because from what, what I've been seeing from the Redskins does not show me any hope that they can win a game anytime soon. But it is a division game, so, you know, be aware of that. And then, like I said, uh, the other one that I really love is the Baltimore Ravens at home, minus seven against the Cleveland Browns. Okay. Then, of course, we have uh, the Saints and hosting the Cowboys on Sunday night football. Teddy Bridgewater, of course, will be quarterbacking the Saints after uh, coming off that that brilliant win in Seattle. Um, I believe they said it was Pete Carroll's first September home loss of his uh, Seahawks tenure as head coach there, which is an unbelievable stat. So that was an upset there for the Saints that desperately needed that victory. So they will host the Cowboys. The Cowboys are two and a half point favorites. This is going to be an interesting game. And then the Monday night game, I don't even know if it's watchable. You have the 0-3 Steelers hosting the 0-3 Bengals. The Steelers are at uh, minus three and a half point favorites there. I can't justify that. Why are they three and a half point favorites? I have no idea. As bad as the Bengals are, they have competed in just about every single game that they've played. Um, okay, maybe they didn't really do so hot in their, you know, their last game um, that they just played in against uh, the Bills. But th- th- I mean, they were down. Er- they were down big early. They came back and they, you know, they were within one. They lost twenty-one to seventeen. I mean, it's not bad. All three of their losses this season have been, um, well, two of them, I should say, have been by one score. This the, the one game that I was thinking of that they really got blown out would be that San Francisco game in week two where they lost 41-17, which I really don't think the score indicates how close this was. I think this was a little bit closer than that score really, um, really tells. So yeah, that's basically, that's it. That's that's what we've got going on for week four. And, um, you know, with that being said, I, I do want to, I know it was 38 minutes. I do want to take a brief, um, brief timeout, I re- uh, a quick break, and, and we'll come back. And I want to talk baseball and um, wrap this bad boy up and talk a couple other things about a couple other things that I wanted to get to, um, namely Tony Romo and the safe, safe, Safeway Open uh, and just some other things. I don't want to give too much away, but Take a quick time out and we will get back to you and get this thing wrapped up in probably roughly an hour or so. All right. Quick break. See you back in a second. Okay, so we're back and um, we're about 38 minutes into this episode and I want to quickly speed things up and get things rolling here. Try to get this thing done in under one hour if possible. So that gives us 12 minutes. I did say we're going to start with baseball, but because we just did NFL, let's talk real quick college football. Okay, so we'll start with last night. We had a few games on some good marquee matchups. We had Duke 
beating Virginia Tech 45 to 10. For the Hokies, it is their worst home conference loss since 1950. Then we had another really good Big Ten matchup between Penn State and Maryland, or so we thought it was supposed to be a good matchup. Maryland got absolutely smoked. Penn State gets comes away with the win 59 to nothing, tying their largest road shutout in school history. Over its last two games at Maryland, Penn State has outscored the Terrapins 125 to 3, ladies and gentlemen. That's how unbelievable their dominance over Maryland has been. They should play Maryland every single week. Just unbelievable. And then finally, in the nightcap, we had Arizona State facing off against number 15, Cal. A lot of people were picking Arizona State in this one, and they would have been correct because Arizona State gets the upset. Herm Edwards squad with the 24-17 victory. Let's go over some of the games that we have going on today and tonight. Of course, we have college game day is at the Ohio State-Nebraska game. That'll be on uh, tonight at 7.30 on uh, ABC, of course. Uh, we had the early slate of games, the 12 o'clock games. They finished up, of course. But um, so, so let's quickly go over that. We have Rutgers, who finally I jumped on mybookie.ag. I used the promo code Frank. Um, and I was able to get a my deposit match. So I threw in a hundred bucks. I got a hundred bucks. And without really thinking, I only put a hundred dollars on Michigan to cover over Rutgers at 27 and a half. I, I just wasn't thinking. I don't know why I didn't just put the, the whole 200 on it because it was my hundred that I was putting on and I could have had the, the, the bonus 200 that I could have put on there. And instead I only put the hundred. I'm regretting it now, of course, because what do you know? Rutgers loses 52 to 0 and I don't want to spend this episode putting my Rutgers University on blast but this is no longer a division 1 program just disband the college program disband the football team go to division 2 go to the NIAA or whatever done with it okay the longest running college football program in the country 150 this is the 150th year of college football and guess what Rutgers played in the very first game in the history of college football okay they have been playing college football 10 years longer than Michigan who is one of the perennial powerhouses that we have ever seen okay and they lose 52 to nothing were absolutely just hideous on offense can't do anything right Chris Ash wins the coin flip, and for the second straight uh, game, he decides to defer to the second half. Do you realize you only defer when you have a defense that is capable of making a stop? Every single time he defers, and they give up a touchdown, and it's 7-0 immediately, and that's what happened with Michigan today. They deferred, Michigan got the ball, and it was... In two minutes and eight seconds in the first quarter, they were up 7-0. I'm just over it. Michigan, by the way, that is their first shutout victory in three years. And guess who the last one came against? Oh, shocker, Rutgers, when they beat them 78 to nothing. Just over it. 
Okay, some of the other notable games that we have uh, going on are number 17, Washington, hosting number 21, USC. They're up 14 to nothing. You have Alabama uh, up 7 uh, they're actually losing 10 to 7 at home to Mississippi right now to Ole Miss. I'm sure uh, Nick Saban is loving that right now, uh, but uh, have no fear. Alabama will win that game. The big one uh, you have right now is number 10 Notre Dame facing number 18 Virginia. They're at home in this one, Notre Dame. They're up 14 to 7, uh, but that's supposed to be a very good game. And then you have, of course, like I said, the, the marquee game day matchup, which is Nebraska hosting number 5 Ohio State. Ohio State is favored by 17 points. I don't expect this one to be close. I think Ohio State right now might be the most dominant team in college football. That's how good they are. Um, and then you have U- U- number 19, Utah, hosting Washington State later tonight. Just um, just some good games going on. I'm trying to find out where what happened with the Pitt game because Pitt, of course, had the unbelievable 35-34 upset victory against UCF a week ago, ending their crazy long uh, winning streak. And wow, they were losing they were losing 14 to 10 to University of Delaware and they prevailed in the end and won that one 17 to 14. Um, wow. I'm looking at uh, Kansas in Les Miles uh, first year at Kansas. They got smoked 51 to 14 to TCU. Yikes. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much your college football. Uh, Oklahoma looked unbelievable. Once again, 50, 55 to 16, they won Jalen hurts. Look at the numbers. Jalen hurts is putting up ladies and gentlemen. Can you say Heisman trophy winner? And it, and it's only what week four, week five, he threw for another 413 yards, three touchdowns and ran for another 70 and one more score. Just unbelievable. I think him and Jonathan Taylor are the two front runners right now. Um, if you, if you look at what Jonathan Taylor is doing, I still think you give the, the, uh, edge to, to Jalen hurts, but, um, we could possibly have three straight, Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks from the University of Oklahoma. Just unbelievable. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, he ran for 119 yards, had a touchdown, and uh, an additional 15 yards receiving, but just unbelievable. So basically, that does it for college football. I didn't want to spend, um, you know, too much time on that. So next up, we're going to, you know, talk about baseball. So um, I wanted to start off with talking about how the Padres have fired their manager, Andy Green, after four seasons. He had a 274 and 366 record, really not that good, just um, over, you know, um, 100, just almost, you know, 100 more losses, basically, than uh, wins. So the Padres, in any of his four seasons, they did not finish at or above 500, after signing Manny Machado in the offseason, they had high expectations trying to make the playoffs, and that did not work out. Shocker there, right? Um, for the Royals, their head coach, their manager, Ned Yost, announced that he would be retiring at the end of the season. He's 65 years old, has been managing the Royals since 2010. He did see the franchise through a rebuild, but he won 22 playoff games went to back-to-back World Series, and in 2015, he did, in fact, win a World Series um, against the Mets. 
Everybody remembers that. And believe it or not, he's the winningest manager in Royals history, just shy of 750 victories. Uh, next up, we've got to talk about the Yankees, and this is just not good. Their their playoff hopes, you know, their their World Series hopes are taking a hit, it seems, each and every day. Domingo Hermond, their winningest pitcher on the year, I believe he has 17 wins. He has been uh, dealt a huge blow and the Yankees will be without him for the entirety of the playoffs, and it is not injury-related. Herman was placed on administrative leave last week after allegations of domestic abuse surfaced. The MLB has since launched an investigation into the matter that they said could take weeks to resolve. Details about what led to the investigation have been very limited, but all sources can say is that Herman had a physical altercation with his girlfriend late on the evening of September 16th or early on September 17th. It's very, very intriguing situation there, and of course the Yankees are cooperating, but it's a huge blow because Herman was a very, very huge um, bright spot for, for them this season. He was just a shining star on that pitching staff. It came out of really virtually nowhere. And then, of course, you look to last night's game. James Paxton leaves the game after the first inning due to injury, and he has been the Yankees' best pitcher over the last two months. He's won 10 straight starts, okay? Um, luckily, they said it was just a tight glute, and it's not expected to be a serious injury. They were just being very precautionary. Um, and that injury really was overshadowed by the Yankees' six home runs that they hit last night, which now gives them the all-time record with 305. Earlier in the week, the Twins became the first team in Major League Baseball history um, when they surpassed 300 home runs, but the Yankees then also surpassed 300 home runs, and now they have 305. The Twins are on right now. They have 303 home runs, but if the Twins were able to hit any home runs in this game, then of course they could have they might have tied, so let's see. Uh, no, Minnesota has not hit any home runs in this game. What's interesting about the Twins is that they became, uh, excuse me, they had their 100th win of the season yesterday on Friday night. They now join the Dodgers, Yankees, and Astros, all with 100 wins. It is the first time ever that four teams have surpassed 100 wins in the same season in Major League Baseball history. That is just unbelievable. Okay, Um Next up, I do want to talk about the um, wild card spots. They have been shored up finally as of yesterday. The A's and the Rays have clinched wild card spots. Cleveland, the Cleveland Indians become the odd man out, missing the playoffs this season. Thankfully, I think that sets up better for the Yankees. I think Cleveland was a better team that would be a better team than the A's and Rays if they had to face each other. But it looks like the A's are holding on to that home field advantage for that wild card game. And really, you got to give the nod to the to the Rays. They've been unbelievable with like the lowest payroll in baseball the last couple years and back-to-back 90-win seasons. So they're really deserving of that playoff spot. And then in the nationally you have Washington and Milwaukee clinching wild card spots it's in incredible what the Brewers have been able to do since uh Christian Yelich was was dealt that blow with that broken kneecap and he will miss the the rest of the playoffs but uh best record in baseball essentially since he went down something like 17 and 2 just ridiculous um 
They did lose last night, and Ryan Braun actually left the game early, so that's another big blow for them. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Um, but yeah, that really is basically going to do it for our baseball talk. We're going to wait and find out what what happens with the best record in baseball situation. That's really the only thing that these teams are playing for right now. The Houston Astros have about two games up on the Yankees and, and um, the Dodgers. Um, the Dodgers are actually ahead of the Yankees, which is a big deal because if the Yankees and Dodgers make the World Series, the Dodgers would get home field advantage for a game seven, which is not good. The Yankees need to step things up. Okay, let's move right along and, and let's finish this thing up. I wanted to go over some other things. You have the feel good story of the weekend, which would be the Safeway Open and Tony Romo. Okay, he shot a two under 70 in the first round on Thursday, which was incredible. He's going up against former major winners. He actually shot better than Justin Thomas, Hideki Matsuyama, and Phil Mickelson. Um, the funniest part about this whole thing was that uh, Tony Romo, his day job is calling NFL games. He's the primary CBS um, team, okay, with Jim Nance, and he calls, he's supposed to be calling the Bears and Vikings game on uh, tomorrow. Well, the problem with that is that if he were to have made the cut yesterday, he wouldn't have been able to do this game because he would have been playing over the weekend. And so they had Boomer Esiason on call, on the ready, to jump in and take over for him should he make the cut. Unfortunately for Tony Romo, he was not able to match that success that he had on Thursday, and he shot six over 78 yesterday, so he missed the cut. He will be able to make it to uh, the broadcast booth for tomorrow's Vikings and Bears game, which I believe is slated for a 1 p.m. start. And then uh, last but not least, I wanted to go over the WNBA Finals. I don't talk much about the WNBA. I don't personally really watch it, but the WNBA Finals are set. Game one will be tomorrow at 3 p.m. on ESPN. I know it's during uh, football, but um, maybe I'll check it out a little bit. I know the Jets aren't playing tomorrow, so maybe I will. But um, it's going to be the Connecticut Sun Facing off against the Washington Mystics, which the Mystics are led by their MVP, Elena Deladon, who produced the first ever 50-40-90 season. She is also the first player in WNBA history to win an MVP with two different teams. I believe the Sun won this won the season matchup with the Mystics. Uh, but like I said, she has just been unbelievable. Deladon, she had an amazing career at Delaware. And um, she actually, so unbelievable stat here, she shot, she attempted 117 free throws on the season and made 114 of them. I mean, that is wow. Okay, just wow. And then, of course, like I said, um, I don't know, actually, I might have missed this one, but Pete Alonzo, he tied the rookie home run record, tied Aaron Judge's home run record from two seasons ago with his 52nd home run. He has two games left tonight and tomorrow to finish up the season. If he can hit one more home run, he will su surpass that rookie record that Aaron Judge had, and he will sit atop the throne as the rookie home run record holder for home runs in a player's first season. And he's chasing actually Babe Ruth for the most home runs ever in a, in a player's first year with a team. So in Babe Ruth's first year in 1920, I want to say it was 
when he got traded over from the Red Sox to the Yankees, he hit 54 home runs. So if he could get to 54, he would tie that record. Um, But let's hope he doesn't hit another home run in these last two games because I don't want to see a Met pass Aaron Judge ever in anything. Okay, last but not least, guys, on this date in sports, you have September 28th, 1960. Ted Williams homered in the final at-bat of his career. Uh, Yeah, so obviously we all know how special Ted Williams was as a Hall of Fame player for the Boston Red Sox. With that being said, guys, that's going to wrap this thing up. Um, Just over an hour, I believe. Hopefully you enjoy this episode. I know um, I got some feedback, people wondering why I didn't do an episode last week, but um, we're back. I gave you some picks. Hopefully you can go win some money with those picks. I'm going to be betting on the games tomorrow. I look forward to it. I'll finally be able to watch Red Zone in its entirety because my New York Jets are off for the week, and hopefully we will get Sam Darnold back in week five when we face off against the Eagles. He's recovering nicely from mono. He's on track to come back in week five. I'm excited for that because there's been nothing exciting to look forward to with my New York Jets. Hopefully getting him back and healthy, we will be able to make some strides going forward. But with that being said, guys, um, have a nice weekend. It's a long one for me. I'm off Monday, like I said. Thank you to all my Jewish friends for Rosh Hashanah. With that being said, guys, this has been episode 68 of This Week in Sports. Pody out.